Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight. Hey, hey, from Nashville. It is like almost 70 and uh, beginning of February, so I'm very happy. I'm leaving. <laughs> it snowed yesterday. Well, it was like snowed. 15 degrees this morning. I have my windows open. I'm very happy. All right, whatever. Dan, Dan Shapiro. <laughs> Hi, from Tel Aviv, where it's in the 60s, and that's considered really cold here. So, you know. Oh, life is so hard for you poor people. Uh, we also have AJ O'Neill. Yo, 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 coming at you live from the mood lightosphere of the tundras of Pleasant Grove, Utah. Yeah, I know it's cold where you're at, because you're 10 minutes away. <laughs> we, we had a blizzard, man. Yeah, yesterday I, it was. Like knocking yeah. over trash cans in the streets. Blizzards and teenagers. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and I have a really exciting announcement that's going to be old news by the time this comes out, but I'm excited. We just launched the Clean Coders podcast in partnership with Clean Coders. First episode is obviously with Uncle Bob Martin. We talked about agile development and his book, Clean Agile, so go check it out. I'll quit plugging it, but I'm thrilled. I and have to week- say that that I've I've listen to that well i listened to half of that episode i i listened while riding my bike and fortunately my bike ride is pretty short and so far it's just awesome oh he's yeah, so fun to talk to you yeah i i totally agree it's a highly it's excellent show and if you keep this up it's like a must listen i'm actually going to meet him on thursday he's in nashville for it looks like he's doing like a tour so i'm going I'm very excited nice well say hi for me i've never actually met him in person When I'm building a new product, G2i is the company that I call to help me find a developer who can build it. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile developers that you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2i has the talent you need to accomplish your goals. Go to g2i.co to learn more about what G2i has to offer. In my experience, G2i has linked me up with experienced engineers that can fit my budget and the G2i staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works and can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. Go to g2i.co to learn more about G2i. All right, well, this week I scheduled this so we could talk about the state of JS 2019. Now, we usually get Sasha Grief to come on, but it sounds like he's busy and that he he kind of told me that he didn't have anything to say that wasn't already in the survey. So. We're just going to do without them. But yeah, I, I'm a little curious as we dive in, have you all had a chance to look through it? And what conclusions did you find there that you thought were interesting? I looked through it. I didn't actually participate in it, but I definitely looked through the results. And for example, I really like the fact that despite the fact that I didn't participate, 203 people in Israel did. So Israel is represented. Israel is in the house. Whoop, whoop. Uh, nice. And yeah, I, I wrote down a whole list of things that I would like to talk about in the context of this. I would like to start with saying that they have a really cool t-shirt. I really like the design of their t-shirt. I probably need to get one. So should I just start with one item from the list? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so looking at the graphs, and by the way, I really love the graphs and the graphics in in the state of JS site. So one thing that was interesting for me is that it seems that the median experience, the median years of experience of a JavaScript developer these days is approximately five years. And the median salary is around uh, 70K a year. And I'm wondering if this seems like a good combination to you guys or not. One thing that's kind of interesting to me about what 
what you just said about the five year mark, that's like right around the time when boot camps start, first started like their big boom. So I wonder if that has a lot to do with, although I don't know, there's probably a lot of things that contribute to that trend because that is kind of when like node started to become more heavily used. But yeah, that's a little bit interesting. Interesting um, enough too there. If you listen to Bob Martin talk about stuff, one of the things he brings up over and over again is that the number of developers in software tends to double every five years. It's it's kind of this weird inflection point, I think, in a lot of ways. The salary question, that's super hard to say because, oh my God, there's so much variability. Like the the salary for a senior software engineer in Nashville is like the salary for an apprentice in San Francisco. So there's so much variability there. I'm curious though, like for a senior developer in Nashville, I mean, what what would somebody expect to make? Back when I was debating, this was a year and a half ago before I started NPM when I was working for a company for a startup based in Nashville. And I was trying to decide because I was interviewing at other places besides NPM if I wanted to um, work for a company in Nashville, or if I wanted to try to look outside of Nashville. And back then, when I talked to some folks, they were kind of saying like the expected salary for a senior in Nashville is like around the 120 mark. Mm-hmm. But that's vastly different than what you would expect in San Francisco or or even other markets. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think that's pretty fair here in Utah, I would expect people to be making 100 to 120 at the senior level. And and I'm not just talking about the job title, but where you're actually, you have enough experience to where you can look at things and in most cases, make a judgment call that's going to fall somewhere in the range of correct. The thing though, too, to me, I don't mean for us to get too sidetracked, but I want to raise this up really quickly is I also feel like the term senior tends to be thrown around a little bit when I don't know I just caution when I see people like claiming to be senior after like a year and a half out of their boot camp I don't know it's hard for me to gauge if you can really be senior if you have like prior programming experience most definitely but side note my first job my first programming job I was a senior developer because it was at a consultancy and they could charge more for me (laughs) see it's like those kinds of things and so I don't know. When I say senior, like that's so relative. It is. And I think that because the market is changing, what senior means is really different. I think it has a lot less scope to it than it did before because now senior developers don't necessarily know Linux or how to use tools for networking and and that sort of thing. It's but they know React. That's enough. (laughs) Yeah, but do they? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, like do you do you know what's ha- like do you know what makes React tick? Like to me that's important. It's Babel, of course. <laughs> Transpile. Anyways, anyways. I'd be curious like Dan, how you think this survey aligns with like, you know, what you're actually doing at your day-to-day job or like things that you see AJ, like how much do you think this aligns with like people who take this survey because I'm looking at it and it's hard for me to tell if like if these people have like a way to say like are they a student are they in, you know employed and I don't know I just wonder like how these numbers line up with like boots on the ground I I think it's I think it's interesting like here's some some top trends we see okay everyone's used angular and no one likes it 
everyone use has used React and likes it a hundred percent. No one's used GraphQL, but everyone absolutely loves it. Even more than just Express, React, TypeScript, Redux. Like the number one thing people love is GraphQL, but nobody's used it. So for the listeners, the graph is uh, at the top, have used it. The bottom is have not used it. The left side is hate it. The right side is love it. So on the right side, what we see things that people love are React, Express, TypeScript, Jest, and GraphQL. Interesting that Mocha is, is I, I, I think Mocha is still pretty darn popular. I would have thought Mocha is still more popular than Jest, but it looks like the curve is going away. Um, people like it less. And Jasmine, people like it way less. People are starting to hate Jasmine. <laughs> this leads me to like the discussion we had before the show, but I won't get too far into that of just like... I want to know how these numbers correlate with like the businesses that are actually making money from these various tools. Right. So, so I want to chime in on this a little bit. So the median time or length of career, that doesn't shock me at all. Personally, it, it just, it doesn't. It, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. The, the salary surprises me a little bit, but if people are getting into the industry and we have a lot more people who are newer, you know, that tend to skew it downward a little bit, you know, where they're all, you know, getting jobs in the sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollar range, then yeah, that that number doesn't really surprise me either. Um, going into some of the other things as far as because cause this is where people get into issues too, right? Where it's like um AJ's talking about on the overview, you've got, you know, people have used it and, you know, and, and then do they want to you learn it or not learn it or whatever. This is hard for me to like I think I think the trend is pro- the trends on here are generally fairly correct but I hesitate to put too much weight on them and the reason why is that what happens is is this gets promoted in some communities more than others and so if you're looking at like angular versus react versus vue I don't know that that's really strongly representative as as much as it is strongly representative of the number or of the people that took the survey. But looking that at it in kind of a general view at the same time, you know, it is interesting to kind of see these trends and see what, what got measured. So the question that I have is what do you do with, the, you know, talking about that popularity graph that AJ, when you were talking about, what do you do with this information? I mean, Say I'm working on, say my project is implemented using Angular and it's done well and it's doing what it's supposed to do and, you know, it's not a hot mess and we are managing to to extend it and enhance it. Should we transition to React? Just no. Because, uh, just because uh, it's, <laughs> it's un- Well, so yeah. So what do I do with this information? I mean, I guess that maybe if you're a junior, then you may want to invest effort in learning technologies that happen to be popular, especially popular in wherever you happen to live. But otherwise, I, I find this kind of popularity contest in technology to be kind of meaningless, to be honest. They're, they, they, Thank, they're you. Kind of, Thank you. <laughs> I mean... Uh, <laughs> yeah, go on, Amy. Sorry. I, I was just going to be, I, I don't know, like, no but, you know, to, to what I just said. 
to me, I, I don't know if it's like where I'm at in my career now, if, you know, my opinion has fluctuated. I sort of feel like I've always been a little bit this way, but maybe not. Like if you're going to make a change, it needs to be a for your business. You know, if you're a developer and you want to make a change, it needs to be a data-driven decision. Um, like we can't, I don't know. I feel like we have a responsibility to the business to, you know, make, help the business meet their objectives. And usually that objective is to like make more income. You know, we don't want to just be like, you know, like puppets and and not have an opinion. And it's important to like, you know, put your engineering hat on and, you know, come up with better solutions. But at the same time, like we can just like use something for the sake of it. It needs to be a decision that's like a data-driven decision about like, it's going to increase the team's velocity. It's going to reduce the number of bugs. It's going to, you know, increase our performance. We can't just like pick something for the sake of it. And I don't know, maybe it's just because of where I stand now, but it's, uh, it can be tiresome to have these conversations when, I don't know, like, I guess as you like advance in your career, you maybe your priorities shift and you're held accountable to things in your career later that you weren't earlier in your career. I don't know. That was a very long-winded answer. <laughs> I, yeah, but I would like to ask you a question about what you just said, about making data-driven decisions. So let's say you're starting a new project. Let's say it's a Greenfield new project. And you need to choose between, I don't know, let's say React and Vue. How do you make a data-driven decision about that? I mean, at that point, what I would do is probably those are similar enough. There's a couple like nuances. Like You want to look at what exactly are you building do you have to take into account mobile? Well, not mobile. Like, do we want like this app, like the code to be shared? Like, like we have React Native. And last time I looked, like the Vue ecosystem wasn't as robust there. So you got to have to kind of look at like what you plan on building, but then also like, what does the team feel most comfortable with? We kind of faced something like this at, at my job a while ago, because some of the people wanted to do web components. Some of the people wanted to do React and it was getting to the point where like half the team was building things in web components and half the team was building things in React. And when we started to do a push for testing, things started to diverge because we're having to like import libraries to test React components, import libraries to test uh, web components. And it just like the API surface of things that the team needed to learn was just like becoming too big. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, for the most part, I find that, you know, between Vue, React, whatever, Honestly, you know, I, I would just plug my team into it and then see what where we're able to make the most headway. Because that by far is going to cost us more than, you know, the okay, well, now we want to do this in mobile. The people cost more than anything else. And so if you're looking just from, you know, the price thing, then you know what makes people happy and productive. But yeah, I mean, is it going to be around? Are we going to be able to hire people? You know, those kinds of things. I mean, unless there's some indication that it's going to go away. I don't think those matter as much either. I think it's fa- safe to say that the, both React and Vue are going to be around. Neither yeah. of them is going to disappear anytime soon. Nor I will guess, Angular, incidentally. Yeah, obviously. Nor will Ember. You know, these technologies yeah. are here forever. But o- obviously, if I'm starting a new project, I'd like to start a project that it'll be easier to hire people for it. So obviously, choosing a technology that's kind of more popular has that going for it but often that's like a regional sort of a thing so having Mm -hmm. this uh, global uh, survey 
is is kind of meaningless in this context. Maybe if they did a survey in your particular area, that that would be more meaningful. But but even then, that's not necessarily the most significant consideration. So yeah, so that's my point on that. By the way, again, talking about the number of years that people work and have been in this industry, so again, kind of extrapolating from the graph, it seems that around 15% of the people have been in this field for two years or less, which I personally find a bit scary. Think about it this way. When you're building uh, your online site or store, whatever, that, that's, that's, your, that's like your store these days, or that's like your presence. Would you hire people who've been in the business for only two years to build your physical store? <laughs> you're like, your electrician has, oh, a year and a half of experience. Let's hire him to do all the, all the electricity in, in my house or something. Well, it's kind of scary. There's a difference between an architect and a bricklayer, right? Like, if the house is designed well... And there's a good structure in place. I don't think that I necessarily need to have or am going to get a super experienced people to come in and lay the bricks and put the nails in the wall. But I think in software, software is kind of this strange blend between religion, art, and science. And so you get a lot of people that want to be the artistic director. And then you've got the business needs, which are a little bit more <laughs> pragmatic. I love the way you just worded that, the artistic director. <laughs> well, no, but that's what it is because this it's stuff true is sometimes. Not, it, it's like, it's like, I, I mean, it's not even as important as do you want to go with water, paint, or oil? Like that's going to affect the the end user experience and how they perceive the product and feel about it. Like most of almost everything that's being surveyed here. The customer will never know other than if it's slow. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. I, I think ultimately what we're speaking to here is how much value is here? How much credence do you give to this stuff? So, I mean, are we just looking at this to kind of, you know, eyeball some general trends? Are we going to stake our future careers on it? I mean, h- how deep do we go? So, so there are some things too, and I should have mentioned this earlier when I said like data-driven decisions. There are some choices that if you go that route, you can also make data-driven decisions on the, the finances behind it. So there are certain tools in the ecosystem that work well together with like deployments and stuff like that. So like... I, I put it in our chat. So like one thing is like React, Zite, Next.js. Those all work really well together. So while I'm confident that like you can use Zite for many, many, many other things, I haven't looked at like view next if there's like something compatible similar with that that's like complete black box to me. So I'm not gonna say much about it because I know nothing. But um the the next JS in view is nuxt. Ah, okay. Thank you. That said, like there are financial decisions there because you know, if you want something, I, I feel like site you're gonna pay probably a little bit more there because you're getting more than if you like roll your own solution. But if if you wanna go with that route, like maybe you make your decision like top down instead of like bottom up. I don't know. Does anybody else have thoughts on that? 
heresy. (laughs) (laughs) Top down is not part of the program or religion. Like, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Like, what is wrong with me? Like, have I become like not cool Amy that... You are not cool, Amy. I can tell you right now, you're not hanging out on Reddit and uh, Hack News. Suddenly, yeah. like, to me, I'm like, but I want to know, like, the, the finances behind this. Like, show me the numbers. What makes the most sense for the business? Like, I don't know. Well, you must be in management. Um, <laughs> no, it, I mean, it, it's definitely things to think about, you know, and uh, considerations to make. And yeah, I mean, those numbers, I don't know if there's a good way to quantify them, though, right? I mean, there may be um, some intersection between, you know, Angular people make this much and React people make this much, you know, and then it's, okay, well, I'm going to make this decision because Angular people maybe make a little bit less than React people, so it'll cost me less to build the app. But I don't know if that even bears out, right? So, yeah, that's true. It, it, it's, it's tough, you know, and this is more geared, I feel, toward JavaScript developers in general, as opposed to people who are hiring JavaScript developers and have to who have to make these these kinds of decisions. I feel like this survey is is meant for like people to take the survey and they drop it in their Slack channel at work and like we're doing it all wrong. We need to be doing this. Did you see Jest was up and to the right? So I I'm, and make their I'm, manager's life a living hell. I'm actually happy to see that that Mocha is taking a turn away because it's just i as as some of you know i like javascript these frameworks that were that came out of the ruby community that are super 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 heavy into ruby style of syntax and stuff are you talking um, about like jasmine i think i'm talking about jasmine and mocha and mocha it, mocha's this way too isn't it i mean i i just look was looking at some of the other it's it's like where they inject things into the global. Ver- Basically, they're doing string interpolation. Like you write a test file, but like thing, you know, you're not doing the require, but then the the function is still globally available anyway, and and it like works in weird ways. Like some of that th- that magic stuff, I don't I don't like it as much. So I don't know. I guess that's completely off topic, though. Never mind. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. As an interesting indication of the quality of the data, approximately 50% of the participants in the survey stated that they were CSS experts which to me means that they are lying liars, <laughs> all of them. I've, I've, been, I've been doing front-end developer development for over 20 years, and I do not consider myself to be a CSS expert in no shape or form. I can, you know, I can get around if, if, you know, if I can look stuff up. I, 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 I even did things with Grid, uh, which I really like, by the way. But mm-hmm. I definitely don't consider myself to be a CSS expert, and I'm totally certain that 50% of JavaScript developers out, out there are not CSS experts. That's fair. Well, I, like we were saying earlier, what expert means, the bar has gotten a lot lower, Dan. Maybe you are an expert now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I am. I also wanted to say, by the way, going back to the, techno- to the technologies and, and you know how to pick technology to, to learn, Every time I've, I've switched a place, every time that I, like, during my entire career, every time that I like, went from working at one place to another, 
I had to learn a totally new stack from scratch, and it never really got in my way. So this whole concept of, uh, hey, if I want to get jobs, then I, I have to know React in advance or stuff like that. I, I, well, I don't know. Maybe it's becoming relevant really for really junior developers, but it was never a factor for me throughout my entire career. So That's fair too. And, and notice something else about this graph. Where's JavaScript on this graph? <laughs> What's JavaScript? We've got TypeScript. We've got React. We've got Angular. Wait, I don't even see... Zero people reported that they use JavaScript? <laughs> <laughs> Pure script, closure script, yeah. Elm? But I, I think that actually is an interesting point because this is a JavaScript survey, but JavaScript isn't on here. And I, I think that's actually important these days because I think a lot of people, I mean, I have encountered people that do not know the first thing about JavaScript. They don't know how to iterate over a loop with a for each. But Dagnabbit, they're don't, a veteran in React. <laughs> Don't, don't use for each. For each is is not good. Use liar, liar. I would love to to have this debate with you. For but, each, but, is the but I, under, I understand the point that you're making. No, but to be fair, later on in the same survey, they actually look at uh, ES6 features, for example, and rank them on popularity. So I assume that uh, people who are you know, and you look at people who say like, I've never heard of Arrow or I've never heard of promises, you can assume that they're not really, let's say, proficient in JavaScript. So you can use that information. By the way, that's also kind of an interesting part of the, of the survey, trying to guess which features are popular and which aren't. Wasn't, you know, not a lot of surprises there, to be, to be, to be honest. Like, I like that people like the structuring, the spread operator, arrow functions, Promises, though I can probably bet you that a lot of people are using promises wrong. Uh, <laughs> a sync await, which people are also probably using oh wrong. Oh my God, I have thoughts here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm happy to see that people are using, that people are using map and set. It, it is interesting though. You said yeah. using promises wrong and that just reminded me of uh, the interviews that we did with Douglas Crockford. I just, I really fear and I see this newer developers that God, I sound so old and crotchety. <laughs> I, I think what it this comes is telling naturally us, Chuck, to do this. I think what this is telling us, Chuck, is we probably need to get some new blood on the podcast. We probably need to find somebody that's less experienced and total jaded by life than we are. <laughs> jaded, I'm jaded now. But like, I I feel like with with like async await and the syntax makes it so easy to not really understand what's going on under the hood. So that's that's my short thing. Like promises made it a little bit harder to understand what's going on under the hood, but there was still some like complexity to promises that you kind of had to understand them. But like with async await, it's so easy like to, to see like, be like, oh, this looks cool. I'm just going to do this. But it has to actually be like async in order for you to use it. Like, I know it's cool, but... <laughs> hey, I, I think there's there's something else that we need to consider that I just found out. Kent C. Dodds is JavaScript. If if you look under the resources, so so I think, but this is important because we have one single individual. So he moved his blog off of Medium. I think it was this year, and he had made an announcement about it, and I thought that was really cool. So the number one source people are going to for information about JavaScript is Medium. One reason that you shouldn't use Medium if you want to have any sort of 
you know, brand image for yourself because you will just get lumped in as a medium. But Kent C. Dodds is number two. He is he is ahead of Hacker News. He is ahead of Free Code Camp. He is ahead of Hacker Noon. He is ahead of well everything else. So the number the number two place that people are are getting their their JavaScript information from, which might be number one because they might have been getting it while he was on Medium and not noticed the switch. But that he has that strong of branding, that's neither positive or negative. But I'm just I just want to point out you've got one single individual who has a huge sway in the community of people that are responding to the survey, and perhaps him tweeting it and whatever might have actually skewed the survey any even more. Yeah, maybe. He is I, prolific with his blogging. I wanted to jump back to promises for for a minute because it actually reminded me of something that happened really recently for me. So I was doing a code review for one of our junior developers. And you know how promises were kind of created to an extent to get away from that uh, tower of Babel of callbacks or like, uh, you know, you have a callback within a callback within a callback within a callback. So... He used promises instead of callbacks, but he basically built that kind of a tower using then statements. So it was promise yeah. then, and then within that, another promise then, and then within mm-hmm. that, another promise then. And he was kind of unaware that you could actually change chain thens. And I, and I do wonder how many junior developers or even experienced developers that use promises fully understand how uh, promise chaining actually works. One interesting thing that I came across this weekend is if you're using VS Code, if you have your code, you can actually, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is native in VS Code. I saw the option and you just like hover over the promise code, it will automatically refactor it to async await. Oh, really? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So this is kind of scares me because while it's awesome, like, you know, be careful, make sure. So I, we're, we're running out of time and I kind of want to dive into some of the other ones where I saw people criticizing it. And I think some of the criticism was uh, you didn't pick our preferred flavor and others, it, anyway, it was just interesting. One of them was front-end frameworks. It looks like Vue overtook React last year and then, you know, is now, you know, slightly behind it. And Svelte is, is making a, an appearance here. Like I said before, who cares? I mean, if you're using a library and it's good for you and you enjoy using it and it's productive for you, then what do you care if it win, does or doesn't win some obscure popularity contest? Yeah, my thinking here, though, is mostly, I mean, not even that, you know, am, am I going to pick Vue for my next project? But for me, it's okay. There's enough motion out there with Svelte, for example, because it's brand freaking new that, okay, well, maybe I'm going to go see what's going on there that's new and interesting, right? I may not pick it for my next project, but I may go and play with it a bit and see, okay, maybe this is an indication of the kinds of solutions that are going to come out next. Another thing to remember about, you know, the popularity versus quality issue, WordPress is the most popular way to host websites and PHP is pretty dang popular. One other thing to note too, like, I don't know, I think for whatever reason, people also, when you said like, go build something on your own, I think sometimes people forget that 
like working at a company that gives you time to experiment with things on your own that is oh yeah a rarity than a norm and it's also one of those things like if you work at a company like that you probably have like super paid your dues and are a very experienced developer to have earned the right to you know have that kind of flexibility at your job that's not something that is like typically handed out at like you know the startup down the street because they're trying to like actually figure out if they have a viable business to begin with i think that's definitely correct if if we're running towards the end i would like to mention a few more points that i had jotted down before before we run out of time yeah so first thing i wanted to mention we we talked about blogging and and can see dogs I would like to mention that our own JavaScript Jabber is the fourth most popular JavaScript podcast, which like, yay, but it also means that we have work to do to overtake the three that are above us. <laughs> so, so let's get cracking. So that's, that's one thing I wanted to mention. Another thing is that Lodash, the excellent Lodash library remains very successful. I think it's like the most popular library that isn't a framework or doesn't have to do with UI. I really like it, and I hope it dies soon. Yeah, I know that's a contradiction in terms, but I definitely stand by that statement. And, oh, 40% think that building JavaScript apps is too complex, which is interesting. It sounds like a whole lot, but it's down from 50% last year and 60% the year before. So it seems that either JavaScript is getting easier or people are getting smarter. Hello, did you lose me? No, we're still here. Just oh, okay. it was such a bombshell. We we're aghast. <laughs> I would agree. I, I feel like the the community stabilizing a little bit, which makes things easier. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see us coming up with better ways to do things and um, better resources to teach people. And so, yeah, the the level of frustration with things is getting better. I think the other thing is is we're starting to come off of the holy crap, what's going on that we went through with ES6? Because there was a lot of people, you know, whether you like ES6 or not, or, you know, you like the current direction of JavaScript, people at least at this point are getting used to it. And we're not seeing the big changes that we've seen in the past. And things like async await have made some of the, you know, approaches, at least there's a more standard way of doing some of this stuff instead of you're doing promises wrong or you're doing this wrong, or you're doing that wrong. And whether or not you're actually doing async await wrong, which we've discussed here, you know, it, it feels like there's there's a reasonable standard for how you do it. Yeah. And, and just to conclude on that point, it seems that something like 90% of the people actually enjoy using JavaScript. So that's definitely yeah. good news for the technology. Jumping back in the survey, one thing that I wanted to mention and neglected to. So they also talked about stuff in the DOM that you access from JavaScript. So it turns out that, you know, the browsers have been adding features left and right and so much new functionality. But it turns out that people are actually only using, the new stuff that people are actually only using are fetch, local storage, and WebSockets. All the rest, meh. Which, yeah. You know, it's, I find interesting. So browser vendors are building lots of new cool stuff and nobody's using it. So that's interesting. Yeah, so that's does that mean that I should just ignore them too? <laughs> that's an interesting question. I think, you know, if you, if you need to develop an application that, or web application, that specifically needs access to, let's say, the, the camera, for example. 
then having an API that allows you to access the camera is, is really, really useful and interesting. But it turns out that apparently a lot of people just aren't doing that. So either it's because people associate access to these types of things with native uh, uh, mobile applications and not with web applications, or I don't know, you know, I'm open to suggestions. But it seems that a lot of APIs have been introduced into the browsers. The browsers have expanded and enhanced. You know, I'm talking about like, like uh, everybody knows what WebGL is, but nobody's using it. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, you know, it, it was keep hearing about PWAs, but it only seems that like half the people show any amount of interest in, in it, actually. And, and even fewer with service workers, which is really odd how people are interested in PWAs, but not in service workers. Right. And and all the rest of the browser technologies that are out there, like, do you know anybody who's ever used WebRTC? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because we've had them on this show. <laughs> but but that's not something that you'd find in a SaaS app. And, and you know, that's what's popular now. WebRTC is more like a grassroots indie web type of thing. And it's, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to create a award-winning uh, Slack or Screen Hero knockoff with WebRTC overnight. It's a very niche feature that has very specific and limited use cases, I would say. Argue with me if I'm wrong. I think it's really cool tech, and I think a lot of effort has been invested into it, but I think I have to agree with you on that. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. completely valuable. I just think it's like, you know, when you go in your kitchen, your most valuable utensil is your fork. You can get your whole life through, at least in America, without using a knife, assuming that you don't burn your steak. And uh, I think WebRTC is that kind of thing. Like it's when it's the right tool for the job, it's, it's the only tool for the job, but it's most of the jobs that you have to do day to day aren't the job that needs that tool. Right. And finally, that's my final point that approximately 80% of the developers surveyed think that JavaScript is moving in the right direction which is a clear vote of confidence for TC39. Yep. Mass insanity. <laughs> All right. I think it's moving in the right direction? I don't know what JavaScript is anymore. Like, I, like, I, I think there's async await I've actually found to be useful. The arrow functions I, I just find to be absolutely confusing. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know why people are using this, first of all. I think that's the core problem is that people are using this. Solve that problem and arrow functions are just, I, I don't know. I mean, people want to type a couple characters less or something. But I, the, the, the main thing seems to be that JavaScript is just frameworks. It's just layers of abstraction on top of layers of abstraction. So when I think of, when I think of JavaScript, I think of, I think of two things. I think of syntax sugar and I think of frameworks. I don't think of like new features in the language that are things that I'm like, yes, we finally have this. Woo, this works now that didn't work before or something that was difficult before is easy now. I just feel like it's, you know, like, like I've said before, it's, it's so much syntax sugar and so much frameworks. Like I'd, I'd love to see things. I, I, would, I would love to see, I would think JavaScript's moving in the right direction. If getting started and being productive required only opening up a text file and hitting F5. That, to me, would be JavaScript moving in the right direction. Moving the direction where you have to have a gigabit Ethernet connection and you have to learn two or three separate languages 
and you have to be you know up up to speed on six different frameworks you know like if if we were if we had decided on say like some some testing patterns that we and and you can't really do this with javascript as a language because it's not it's not like go or or rust or c sharp where there's actually a a strong organization behind it that has direction that can can bless a standard library but if we could get a standard library for javascript that just like go or or rust or other modern languages where you know testing is just baked in it's just you don't have to ask yourself which of these 16 frameworks do i use because we've had so many years of experience and we know this is a pattern of testing that works well and so you know if you want to just use what's in the standard library then you use that i i think that a standard library for javascript would be the right direction rather than 16 different javascripts i'm not actually you know it's probably a totally separate discussion from this particular podcast but i have to say that i don't necessarily agree with you i think that if we'd standardize sooner we probably would not have gotten technologies like react for example because angular would have become the standard uh, javascript uh, framework or whatever and then we'd all be using angular forever so uh, i'm kind I, of i just dis- i just wearing that but okay I, 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 I'm not absolutely sure. And, and there's another difference, like the fact that the other languages that you mentioned are compiled, so they're distributed in binary form. And, and so is so, JavaScript these days. Like JavaScript is no longer a text language. It is now a compiled language. The way that people use JavaScript, I mean, it, there are people that use it as as a as an interpreted language. But I would say if you're looking at this survey, it looks like 80 probably well more than 80% of the people are using a compiled version of JavaScript, not, not an interpreted JavaScript. Yeah, but the runtime uh, needs to continue to always work. So it's not like I'm delivering a whole new binary bundle like I do with native applications and nobody knows what's inside of there. And it can, you know, as, as long as it's running on a compatible CPU, I'm, I'm golden. It's it's not really that case with the browsers, um, but but it is. I mean, you can't you can't decompile the. I mean, if, if you've ever decompiled a C plus or not C plus a C sharp application, decompiling JavaScript is exactly the same. It like you it, neither one is harder or easier than the other. Now, if you're going down to something that that is at the assembly layer, that's going to be a little bit harder, but you can still get tools that you know if you wanted to take a, a binary and decompile it into C. It wouldn't look as nice as what JavaScript would look like decompiled or C Sharp would look like decompiled, but you're going to get a similar result. Yeah, but All right, each of you make your final points and then we're going to do picks. All right. <laughs> I'm done with that, actually. We, can, we, can, we should probably take it to some separate uh, show or something. I, I think it would be a very interesting discussion. I, I think it'd be interesting, too, because I think there are advantages to standard libraries, but yeah, I, I see Dan's point as well where, yeah, we may settle on something that's not optimal. Frameworks don't go in a standard library. Fair enough. A couple of years ago, I put out a survey asking people what topics they wanted us to cover on devchat.tv. And I got two overwhelming responses. One was from the JavaScript community. They wanted a React show. And the other one was from the Ruby community and they wanted an Elixir show. So we started both. The React show, though, is React Roundup. And every week, we bring in people from the React community and we have conversations with them about React, about the community, about open source, about what goes into React 
how to build React apps, and what's going on and changing in the React community. So if you're looking to keep current on the current React ecosystem and what's going on in React, you definitely need to be checking out React Roundup. You can find it at reactroundup.com. Let's, let's do some picks. Amy, do you want to start us off with picks? Oh my gosh, I couldn't find the mute button in time. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm going to go with... Man, pick me a little bit soon. So one of them was just going to be, I am like on a... Maybe it's the new year and you know I'm always pretty healthy, but I've been trying to eat a little bit healthier. So if you work from home, something that I've been doing that I greatly enjoy is like when I go to the grocery store on the weekend or... I've been ordering groceries recently because it's so much easier. And I feel like if I if I look at the numbers, it actually like saves me money to focus on my time on other things than going to the grocery store because it's very time consuming. But anyways, one thing that I've been doing is like getting uh, fruit and vegetable trays. And like, you know, I'm a little bit of like a snacker. So I like to have stuff on my desk to snack on and rather than like reaching for candy or gum or something like that, like just trying to you know, do things that are good for my body. And I feel like I actually like notice a difference when I do that kind of thing. So that's going to be my first one. Man, I wanted to pick something else, but I feel like I'm not quite prepared for a technical one because I usually have those like ready to go. Let me look if I've starred anything recently on GitHub that looks interesting. Okay, I'll pick this one. So this, I recently joined Gremlin, has a Slack called Chaos Engineering. And since I was doing SRE stuff at NPM, um, like I'm back in front end land, but for whatever reason, like uh, I really, really, really enjoy this kind of stuff still. So there's, you know, they have all the different like awesome lists and there's an awesome Chaos Engineering one. So that will be my technical pick. That's something I've starred recently. And I guess that's it for me. Nice. Dan, do you have some picks for us? Yes, I do. And I've prepared in advance. So my first pick uh, is going to be, I'm going to plug my employer in a sense. We've got uh, the Wix Engineering blog. It's the place that uh, kind of, you know, the, the purpose is to build a technical brand, but the, out, the results are really good because there are a lot of excellent posts out there about all bunch of technical subjects ranging from front-end uh, to, to back-end to data analysis and, and, and whatnot. So I, I want to plug that uh, our employers allowing us to invest work time in writing interesting blog posts and sharing our internal experiences. So that's going to be my, my first pick. Uh, my second pick is one of the blog posts that was actually written by one of the Wix engineers. And interestingly, instead of being posted on the Wix engineering blog, was actually posted on Medium. So, you know, we talked about before about blog posts on Medium. I really, really enjoyed it thoroughly because, you know, it seems that a lot of our day-to-day development is just picking the correct uh, API to call and passing in the correct parameters. So uh, a blog post that really deals in in low-level algorithms and big O notations and comparing uh, various algorithms for performance and and overhead and memory usage and stuff like that really got my geek on, and I enjoyed it a whole lot. So that would be my other recommendation. Awesome. AJ, what are your picks? Okay, I've just got one today, and that is Gear Club Unlimited. So... I imagine this might be on other platforms than, than, than the Nintendo Switch. No, it looks like it is just on the Nintendo Switch, actually. 
I loved Top Gear, especially Top Gear Rally, the video game, not the TV show, although I do love the TV show as well. So for for those of you that really love Top Gear and are just so sad that I don't even remember what company made it, but they got absorbed or dissolved or something and Top Gear has disappeared. And Gear Club Unlimited is not a good replacement for Top Gear. Top Gear had a certain feeling to it that I just need the Top Gear developers to come back for that. But I'd have to say I probably haven't been, and not that I, mostly I play Mario Kart. So I, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't like all the super ultra realistic racing games. I like it to be a little, a little, have a little play to it. And, and Gear Club Unlimited to me seems to have the nice balance of, it feels like I'm playing Top Gear Rally almost. It is a little bit hyper-realistic, but it's not in, in, in some of its visual style, but, but it isn't too hyper-realistic and, and I, I unlocked the rally courses and, and it just made me feel good to play them. So if, you've, if you are a sufferer, as am I, of the deficit of Top Gear Rally for a modern system, I'd, I'd recommend checking out Gear Club Unlimited. It takes really long in the load times, though. Races are like two minutes and load times are about two minutes. So, eh. Nice. I'm going to throw out a couple of picks. So the first pick that I have, just to remind people, Clean Coders podcast at devchat.tv slash clean-coders. And then I've been putting together a couple of other options for people to uh, get training from me. It's going to be a blend of a course, uh, weekly group coaching, and you know whatever else you need. So I have one for how to find your dream developer job. So if you're trying to find your first job or if you're trying to find a job that you enjoy, that's de- you know that, that's one of the ones we have. And you know I'll review your resume and I'll help you, you know figure out how to find the people that you want to get to know in order to get in the door at the company you want to work at and all that stuff. Got another one on how to stay current and another one on how to do a podcast. And then I'm putting together a mastermind for people to help them with their careers in software development. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, go to devchat.tv slash workshops. And yeah, we'll get that in. We'll get it together for you so that we can help you succeed. Those are more or less the picks there. Let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you both. For being here, Amy had to drop off. We'll have another one next week. In the meantime, Max out. Bye-bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.